People equal shit. People equal shit. People equal shit. Motherfucker. Yeah. Listening to Richard G's. I know you're not listening to Slipknot. Yeah. I, I turned uh, Ed on to Richard Cheese. He's cracking up. Um, Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. You stupid, sadistic fucking whore, get down with the sickness. Oh. You know what's interesting is that was actually uh, featured at the end of Dawn of the Dead. Uh-huh. Is that where you first heard him? Maybe, actually. That was like 2004. So he's been around for a while, huh? Yeah, he put out a new album recently. Um, looks like the cover for uh, Number of the Beast. It's pretty funny. What does he have on there? What's it called? Oh, I forgot what it's called. Um, instead of Iron Maiden, it's the same font, though. You know, it says Richard Cheese on top. And then um, I, forget what, I forget what he has as a puppet. You know, he has his hand out. And then, I don't know. I forgot what it's called. Number, I don't know, Number of the Beast, something of, I don't know. I forget what it's called. We we're just listening to a, he does a um, a cover of that song too. It's kind of funny. Richard Cheese is like is like a he's awesome. It, yeah, he's awesome. Runs in that same vein as uh, Weird Al, but a different take of it. You know, Weird Al is very clean and wholesome, and uh, Richard Cheese is not, not so much. Yeah, I know. even the even the name, right? I know. <laughs> I love how his, his groupies of women all wear shirts to say, I love Dick. It's so funny. That's awesome. <laughs> well, hey, man, uh, let's get the fun started. <sighs> Don't read me if I let you do. Welcome to Scatterbrain Podcast, episode 110. 110! So what's up? Oh, man. Just living the dream, living the dream. Yeah, are you really? Those that listen all the time will know. But you, those that don't, you can find us on Twitter at ScatterbrainPod and on Instagram at ScatterbrainPodSD as in San Diego. And one thing I wish more people would do would be to send us a message. You can do so by clicking on the link that should be at the bottom of this episode description. If not, you can do it at anchor.fm, search for Scatterbrain Podcast. And once you're on that page, you'll see a button near the top that says leave a message. Just do it. Yeah, that'd be nice. I'd like to hear from some people. Yeah. So what's up with you, man? I uh, haven't talked to you all week. I know you were feeling a little unwell. Well, I figured it out. It wasn't, it was, uh, I have a, a cavity, like an exposed nerve in one of my freaking teeth again. And so that, that was giving you pressure in what? my head and it just felt like it felt like a sinus headache because it was like right under my eye and in my sinuses and everything but it's actually that that back molar you know right under your eyeball and i just kind of was like hey, maybe it's a toothache and i found a little spot kind of hidden back there and i pressed on it and i freaking hit the roof and that was it so I, I had to go get some of that like cheap ass bondo stuff that you put in there for you know temporary fix you put bondo in your teeth like literally bondo. not literal bondo <laughs> but it's just it's this little uh little like temporary um, stuff you roll into a ball and then you like pack it in there and for like a, if a cavity falls out and it works yeah as soon as you cover a nerve dude pain's gone that's amazing stuff imagine that so yeah plan there you got to get some get a gotta root go, canal go. or something Cavities gotta go to the dentist no never get a root canal those things are a farce man those things are such medical malpractice i can't believe they're legal my the, um my root canal from like 1998 failed a couple of years ago remember and it turned into that hot tooth, and it was some of the most excruciating pain I've ever felt. Fuck that. I got all infected. Yeah, never get a root canal. Listen to me. If you have to, get it pulled or get a bridge. Never get a root canal. It's just you're, you're asking for it. You're asking for all the shit introduced into your body, all the bacteria. It's going to fail. Give it 20 years, but it'll fail. Don't do it. I, I researched the shit out of it after mine failed. I'm like, I thought that was supposed to be for life kind of thing, you know? No, that's just that's just the way they make money, dude. It's even my dentist doesn't really do them. He's like, no, nah, there's other options. Yeah, like he'll he'll do a post, you know, he'll put a post in, and that takes a lot of time and everything. But and then you have an actual tooth again. But he's not going to do a fucking root canal. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure exactly all the details. But one thing I read, fairly recent future, was that they're able to grow tooth tooth enamel. 
I think oh, now. Yeah, I read that be very grow some, Yeah, so be able to grow some teeth eventually. I don't know about that. I don't know how that's even possible. But weird, huh? We can't grow our own teeth, so how are we gonna? Oh, yeah, it doesn't make sense. But whatever. Hey, there's a lot of shit that doesn't make sense until you know how to do it, right? Yeah. I mean, look at all the things we've talked about before with alien technologies and traveling or teleporting or parallel dimensions or whatever it is, right? None of it makes sense. That was one of the technologies. That apparently, you know, we're talking about the uh, Betty and Barney Hill abductions in 1961, I believe, uh, on the East Coast. And she said that was one of the things that she, you know, in, under hypnosis that she recalled was that um, Barney had false teeth. He had dentures. And they like check, they check their teeth and everything. And they were confused as to why his teeth pulled out, but hers didn't. Isn't that a weird little, like a little extra thing? Like, really? That's trippy, man. That is odd. I didn't know that his, he was missing teeth from that. Like they got, like, what? they ripped out his dentures. No, they pulled it. They just pulled his dentures out, but they were curious why his teeth could just fuck, you know, come out like that. Oh, they're, they're checking the teeth and everything. Hers are solid. And they just go, boom, they could just pop them out. And they're like curious about that. She said it really confused them. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, you think they know about fucking dentures? Oh, I guess they, nah, never mind. Yeah, sounds like <clears throat> dumb to me. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> of course it does. Of course it does. That's all right. You know, you have to take things worth it, worth a grain of salt for the good and the bad, for them or against them, you know? Something like that. Little little weird things like that. Little things that make no sense, like little side things like that. To me, make it more credible than than the other way around. It's not like oh, that's so. Yeah, but fucking, if he had dentures, so it's fucking not, goofy. It's what? not amazing that his teeth came out. <laughs> well, dentures, they, su- I mean, they supposedly don't have teeth though. Neither of them do. No, the aliens. So it's a curiosity. It's a curiosity to them. That's why they're examining these people. And they examined their teeth as well, and then his pulled out, and they thought that was strange. How the, aliens that did? the aliens pulled Barney's teeth out. How do we know this? That they thought it was because she said that she said that under hypnosis. Oh, I see. She said that she that they found it an oddity. Anyway, I thought I thought that was kind of interesting. I thought you meant people that were in, like checking their health after, like doctors that like once they came back. <laughs> no, no, no. The aliens when they when they do their examinations and everything, the, the aliens pulled them out. And we're like confused about it. And she thought that was kind of funny. Got it. That makes sense yeah. now. Okay. And she, and she said that they stuck a needle into her navel and it was very painful. And the, the leader, she called him, came over and put his hand on her head and all the pain went away. Right. And that was like 10 years before they started doing amniocentesis that way. They didn't do yeah. it through the navel for like till the early seventies. So the fact that she brought up that little detail too, is interesting. That is interesting. But then the skeptic could just say, well, she made it all up. Yeah. And we're well, just that. Then she's a genius. Then she's a genius or or she's she just for totally could foretell something medically that was going to happen in a decade. Well, if you look at your stomach and you said to someone, where do you think someone would put something in if they're going to probe you and they're very interested about you? To me, the belly button right in the middle. Yeah. Well, humans couldn't figure that out till the early 70s. So we're stupid. (laughs) <laughs> apparently oh we are it's we, we clo- talked about this before too <laughs> it's the closest distance from you know from there to to getting a sample you know see if you're pregnant so it's interesting anyway um did you see the thing about some comet or something it uh no it was like 10 times brighter than the sun or um the, than the moon the full moon and it's i think it streaked across alabama last night uh, or yesterday? yeah you know i did actually do recall reading something about it but i didn't see any specific detail about it so what happened oh i don't know i, I just saw it like an hour ago and i didn't really read about it but um i was wondering if you saw anything about it no i didn't i do like i said i think maybe in the last week or so i read something about how that was going to happen but see, I, they I, keep coming they keep coming well, i just think that they've been coming and they will continue to, to come oh and yeah we just of course our but... observation of them is what well, no, there's, there's, well, that too, but there's um, different spans, different times in history where the earth gets more bombarded than other times, you know, like a, pa- a patch of them will get flung off gravitationally, like sucked into our, you know, towards us. And then we get hit with a bunch of them. And then there'll be a, a period of, you know, I think every day we get hit by something, but um, yeah, there, it, it, it comes and goes, it wanes just like the solar, you know, like the solar flares and stuff every 11 years or whatever mass ejections. I think it's every 11 years. 
you know, and we just, uh, it's, it comes with regularity as stronger on certain dates at certain times. Somehow they're in a cycle as well, just like Haley's Comet comes around every, what, 78 years or something like that? Yeah, I think it's like 80 some years. Right, right, right. So this is the period where we're getting kind of pummeled with a lot of meteorites right now. Or asteroids, what? Asteroids are when they're out outside of the atmosphere. Meteors are when they're inside the atmosphere. And meteorites are what they leave behind. Huh. Yeah, that's right. Cool. Yeah, I've kind of wondered that in haphazard thinking sometimes and never bothered to look it up. Now, sort of related to space, but not related to what you were talking about. I read an interesting fact the other day that from the time that Pluto was discovered as a quote unquote planet and then demoted from the planethood. Yeah, that was decades, right? I mean, 1930, 1930 to 2005 or something like that. Yeah, something like that. So 70 years, let's say, just to round, make a nice round number, 70 years. Mm-hmm. In that time, Pluto had not even gone around the sun once. That's insane. Was that every 100, 130 years or something? What is it? I'm, I'm not sure, but I just read that and thought that was pretty amazing. That is. It's amazing that they can see so far out and in, they're, they're inferring what's out there and distances and different things and fi- finally, ret- you know, what's the word? Slowly tuning in and revising and getting a better picture of what's out there. But it's amazing that things are so big because that's far. I mean, we talked about the differences in time from sunlight to hit the different planets. That's far out there. That's way out there. Yeah, because what was it? It was 40 something minutes to Jupiter and then uh four hours three hours yeah it was hours, hours i forget to it was. neptune yeah we didn't even look up pluto god damn but um isn't there like there's a bunch of objects just like pluto out there right um there's series and there's a couple there's other planet, ones planet x they call it i think it's that one that they think is out past pluto that's actually a planet you know yeah that the one that's on the um it's on a completely different plane of rotation i mean um the uh the orbit is completely different. It's like, if you're looking at it straight down, no, there's no up and down in space, but if you're looking at it straight on, it would like fly way up and then come in real close and then fly way up. You know what I mean? Whereas all of, all of our planets that we see are all on that same, same line in that same line. That's kind of weird. Why is that? Probably because the sun's effect in terms of gravity is so much so diminished that it was on whatever course it was. Maybe it just got sucked in. It just puts and them. It, it puts continued. them all in the same random orbits in that same plane. You know, that's weird. But this one maybe it came from a different spot and because it's so far out there. It was coming in at a different trajectory and got sucked in. So it's going to sort of continue its general course as it would be dictated. You know, by that orbit. Right. So just so far out there, I think. Whereas, like something very close. You know, if they were to discover a planet, you know, that was closer. To the sun than mercury for example then that would be very very tightly impacted right by the gravitational force of the sun so i think this the distance is just so far right but it's amazing nonetheless haley's comet when did haley's comet fly around that was in the 80s i recall being a kid 86 i think i was 17 yeah 86 so what was that nine years ago i think you said <laughs> yeah, <great. laughs> nice good one so NASA confirms this. Yeah, totally. Straight. Comet C214UN271, or the Bernardinelli Bernstein Comet, is the next big thing in astronomy news. It is a behemoth. It's 80 miles across and weighs approximately 500 trillion tons. Wow. Dude. That's what? Crazy. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. Making it the most enormous known comet in existence. Uh, let's see. They discovered it in November 2010 at the Cerro Toloro Inter-American Observatory in Chile. And it was, uh, despite being studied intensely by both grounded and space-based telescopes, C214UN271's approximate size remained a mystery until now. So how, I wonder how they do that. Just by how fast it's going? or I'm sure they can infer it by distances to different things that they have mapped out, right? Yeah. We get the trigonometry. And- I, I, I think how fast it's going because... The bigger it is, maybe the faster it's going. I don't know. Well, they can probably correlate it, right? I mean, they can do the math to figure out how, if it's moving away from us hypothetically. Oh, here it is. How much it's getting smaller. Since the discovery of this comet, 
um, over a decade ago. Over a decade ago, the time it took to approximate its size is curious. However, the story of resolving its size is the most intriguing part of its story, serving as an informative lesson for aspiring astronomers on deductive math and reasoning. There we go. The key uh, uh, to NASA's process was the Hubble Space Telescope. Of course it was. Although it alone was not strong enough to measure the comet's dimensions from billions of miles away. In addition, because the comet traveled over a billion miles closer to NASA's instrument in the past 12 years, the passage of time gave NASA a much better view of its nucleus. There you go. Okay. These factors were indispensable for the team. Um, let's see. Oh, bunch of people. The research paper's head author, Man Tohoe of Macau University of Science and Technology in Tapai, Macau. Is that how you say it? Macau? 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 Sure. This, go with it. This, this is an amazing object given how active it is when it's still so far from the sun, said Man Tohoe. In an interview with NASA, we guessed the comet might be pretty big, but we needed the best data to confirm this. They took five images. Um, pretty big. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Pretty well, big. They, they took five images that were compared to the five image, images taken in 2010. Um, the, Hub, the Hubble images suggested similar measurements, but unveiled a darker and much bigger nucleus than Chile's telescope rendition could have. The obstacle here was separated, separating the comet's nucleus from its massive coma or tail, which is melting ice and dust particles depart, departing from the nucleus as it gets closer to the sun. To do this, his team made a computer model of the coma and fit it and fit it according to Hubble's images. Oh, that's pretty freaking smart. Next, they detracted the coma from the model, which gave them the approximate size of the nucleus fit to the photos with only the core remaining in their imagery. They could approximate its size. Damn, that's complicated, though, huh? I think it's just math. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but gee, you did a lot of math. Let's see. Yeah, it's prompted countless clickbait opportunities, appropriating the theme of Netflix's film, Don't Look Up. Oh, correlation. have you seen that? Correlation, huh? -uh. No, I haven't. No, it looks kind of dumb. It does. It might be good, though. I don't know. I'll is that a Leonardo DiCaprio one? Someone in, is in there, right? That's, I have no idea. Big name like that. I think it's him. Let's see. Amer Astronomers have long been subject to spin for the media's benefit. For example, 2020 headlines warned of an asteroid coming for Earth on Election Day, creating a field day out, um, out of American astrophysicist Neil deGrasse, Neil deGrasse Tyson's words. In actuality, Tyson examined this interesting phenomenon while making a joke about American politics. Okay, so I'm stopping right there. No politics. Okay. No politics. It's okay. Sorry, Neil deGrasse Tyson. You're, you're cut off. So, so yeah, uh, it was. It is a Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Oh, it is. Don't look up. Yeah. And Jennifer Lawrence, who I know I'm supposed to know who that is. I like her. I like Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, who else is in here? Uh, Kate Blanchett, Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep's in it? Wow. Interesting. Like I said I've never seen it. Uh, there's some, some interesting things with me in, in Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, sort of like I had with Brad Pitt, I think, when he was super prolific, which is, and he sort of saw them and other stuff, the earlier stuff, and didn't really click with me, you know? Uh, they, don't, they don't bother me. The one that bothers me is Tom Cruise. Shh. <laughs> Tom anything. Cruise. Oh, oh shit. Sorry. Uh, but then eventually I realized, I realized like with Brad Pitt and also Leonardo DiCaprio that pretty much everything they do is good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're good at what they do. And they, sometimes it's very diverse and sometimes it's not in certain situations, you know what you're going to get, but good. They pick good things. You just don't like them because of their handsome factor. Same as me. Well, no one compares to you. No, no one compares to Tom Cruise. We love him. We don't like talking about him anymore. I know. He hurt us. <laughs> we were going to uh, talk about some music or something today. You want to do that? Yes. This is a three-piece band from the UK, and they are pretty fucking heavy. And we'll be right back. All right. So do you want to start, or shall I? What do you want to do? Well, you picked this album, so... Why don't you get, get things going? This is a band called Human Coal. They are from uh, the UK, and it's a three-piece. And this is 
the heaviest fucking fastest probably shit I've heard in a long time, if ever. Well, but what are we actually, talking about? What are we but talking it's about? actually good. Human Call, the band, are fucking good. The album is called To Weep for Unconquered Worlds. That's a very fun title. Uh-huh. You know what I like about it, though? The cover art? No, 20 songs, 22 minutes. Fucking awesome. Yes. Well, yeah. Came out 20, January 21st, 2022. Right. And this is their second album. Their first album is 18 songs, 18 minutes. <laughs> they, they actually have three albums. The, oh, they do? Three full lengths, yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. Well, now I got to see what the other one is then. Okay, so like we said, we we're talking about Tweet for Unconquered Worlds. That was uh, the most recent. And 2014, I'm sorry, 20, 2018, they had one called uh, Revenant. Right. And then in 2014, they had one called Stillboard Nation. Oh, see, I don't know about that one. Huh. No, do I? Maybe it's not streaming anywhere. These guys were formed in 2011, but started earlier back than that under a different name. Did you catch that? No, I did not. They were originally formed in 2006 under the name of, I, I don't know what this is, if it's Grand Toucher. Oh, Grand Touche. That's, that's Grand right. Touché. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, or if it was. That's like right. I did know that. I did know that. Grand Touche. Yeah. yeah. No shit. <laughs> and so they were under that, that other name until 2011. Now, what I thought was pretty cool is that they, with, with the change in the name, it appears that they also had a, a change in musical direction. And I this touches upon that whole blood incantation thing. Like these guys appear to have sort of changed musical directions. They changed the name of it. Now, I don't know if that's really what was true or if they got too many granny fondler jokes or I don't know what, because... Oh. It's Grand Toucher's, you could say Grand Toucher, and that's not a very good name. And a lot of people would say it that way instead of Grand Touche. Grand, so, oh, Grand Toucher? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's that's right. It does look like it says Toucher. Yeah. It never even occurred to me. No, it's a, Fr- it's a French term. <laughs> Human Cole is a much better name. But when they change names, they when I looked it up, I, I looked a little bit, and I guess the, the original band, they had one EP. That was called Human Coal. Okay. And then if you look at the dis- discography for Human Coal, their first EP was Human Coal in 2011. So it's almost like they changed direction, went from like kind of a more like death metal thing to a more grindcore. Grindcore. And <laughs> okay. You don't think this is grindcore? A minute songs, 59 uh, second I, songs. <laughs> I suppose they're put. I suppose they're put in the definitely in the grand. Uh, they might be the number one fucking grindcore band i've heard dude yeah i definitely call it call it grindcore to me but what i thought was interesting is that in the original band uh so i guess it looked like all the guys formed went from grand touche to human coal then eventually it looks like the uh the ba- original bassist left right right and so now it's just a three-piece and on drums and vocals which i really like in. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, Sam Trenchard. Uh-huh. And he originally only did vocals, or he originally uh, only did, actually, no, he did guitars and vocals. But oh, now okay. he's doing drums and vocals. Well, he's, like not, he's not the vocalist, though. He's It's like background. Backing, vocal. backing. Yeah, yeah but yeah. still, he's probably wearing a headset. Whatever, dude. So <laughs> You have Ed Robinson, who's doing guitars and vocals. Yeah. And... Uh, before he was only vocal, so he jumped on the guitar. Nice, did a good job. And then <laughs> they have Luke Luke Archer on bass, and he came in in 20, 2013. Very British names. <laughs> I thought that it was pretty cool that they changed up, you know, and changed up what they were playing and what they were doing. I can't stop listening to this album. I play it over and over and over, dude. It's it, it's fucking awesome. This is awesome. This is some of the heaviest shit I've ever heard. But it's actually it's actually good though. There's parts in it that are actually really well done and, and catchy and it'll slow it down just briefly just enough to make you go oh rad and then it's faster than shit and then it's ended and it's like a 39 second song and you're like yeah that was rad and then every song just goes bang, bang. it's like a blur and then all of a sudden the thing's over and it's like that was what happened i gotta hear that again and then again and then i had yeah, i even backtracked and listened to the, um that 18 song 18 minute album and uh it's just as good this is fucking great shit dude i don't know 
I'm kind of surprised, but not really, that you like it. This is great shit, dude. It's so addictive. And it's heavier than hell. Yeah, it's heavy. It's fast. It's aggressive. It's fast. This drummer, I don't know this drummer's going to have arthritis by the time he's 30, if he doesn't be careful. He's just crazy. This is a crazy band, dude. I love this. What I liked about it is it wasn't just about like fast speed picking and noise. It's different. Uh, you, you, well, There's I can some hear different death, stuff. death metal riffs in there. Mm-hmm. That's why, I, that's why I hesitated to call it grindcore. Because this, this is like something different, dude. It's very original, I think. Some of the some of the different changes and and the dissonance and and weird little like slowdowns and then it's, the way it speeds right back up and then bam, it's over. I just loved it. I loved it. I think the longest song is one minute fifty five seconds. <laughs> yeah, is I thought it was pretty good. They do pit pack a lot in just a minute or two. Yeah, just going, 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 going. Sometimes they have little. I guess you'd call them breakdowns where it slows down and really no leads. I only noted one song that had a lead in it. Right. For a quick little bit. And then it was done. There's no time for leads. Yeah. I just, I'm a little surprised that you liked it so much. Actually. Did you have any favorite tracks? Oh, I, oh, I like every single track, but I like acts of Flint. Yeah. That's a great one. That's a killer song. That's um, track six, right? Yeah. And then Siege Lord near the end is fucking great. That is awesome. And that's the one with the lead. That's got the like 10 second lead or something. That's a badass song. Habeas Corpus is fucking awesome. And probably my favorite is The Horror. I love that song. The, the lyrics are awesome. And I can't, I can't pick out where those lyrics are from because I heard it and I've heard it before. I could recite it as he was singing it. And I'm like, where do I know this? It's from some fucking horror movie or something. And I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. I'll get it one of these days. It may be from hell, like Hellraiser, maybe. I don't know. It's some from some weird fucking old horror movie. Something really gnarly, too. I can't. Huh. Uh, anyway, those are the lyrics for that song. I just love the way you put it together. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're actually all good. All these songs are good. So you mentioned uh, the longest one at 159. That was Pyre Dancer, I believe. Track nine. Yeah. And one that that stood out the thing that stood out about that song in particular for me was that despite being so heavy it was like oddly melodic near the end uh-huh. i know they, they would sometimes had like full chords ringing out you know not just uh-huh. like i said not just speed picking and, and that kind of thing and in some of the spots including on that track they did nice stops and just little things that they do nice were, stops dude yeah they make that a feature of this stuff and um, and the weird, yeah, like the 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 full picking, like all the strings, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. I heard some weird notes, like some off notes, some dissonant notes that don't really fit, in it, but it sounds fucking perfect, dude. It sounds so good. Yeah, they cram a lot into each song. It's, each song's about a minute long. Yeah, they they did, and it go like you said, it's over quick in twenty two minutes, twenty three minutes, whatever it is. You know, if you don't like anything about a certain song or you think it's dumb, it's it's gone before you could take note of what song it is. Right. So I really liked it too. Uh, these guys are all great musicians. I would love, I'm sure, to see them live would be if they could play this stuff tight like that, you know? I bet they do. It's kind of hard to not play. Well, it is actually, but three piece, you have a little less. That would be pretty hard to do this stuff with the stops and some of it and have it be clean and hear, like we were, like we both noted, the full chords ringing out and everything. And you need to do that live. Not that it's super highly technical shredder you know but it's you play that to play that stuff clean you gotta be up play it correctly you, know, you gotta play this show with, with feeling too man you gotta be you gotta really appreciate your own music um i love how they describe themselves as they uh, it says human call play fast extreme and forward thinking heavy music that's a perfect description forward thinking yeah because you have to be ready to go it's just going you have to keep going forward not slogging forward like charging forward and then it's done you fall behind Oh, I took it more like their lyrics are forward thinking because the lyrics are actually pretty. Their lyrics are actually pretty good. It's not just, you know, nonsense. So there's not a bad one on here. Not a bad track on here. So you did like this? I liked it. I mean, oh, dude, I, I liked, you know, the old Napalm Death and all that stuff. So I, I definitely enjoy Grindcore. This doesn't sound anything like Napalm Death. I didn't say I did, but okay. I'm saying that I, I, I can appreciate Grindcore, you know? See, I, but, I have a problem with the grindcore term for this band for some reason, but I know they are. They, that's the box they fit in. So, 
the box they fit in. It, it kind of is. The thing that I sort of, and it kind of, I think, maybe affected the overall rating of this for me. Not so negative necessarily. I like it. I'll, I'll give it a pretty good rating. But for me, I, I don't, I don't uh, struggle with heaviness. I love it. Um, the thing that I like about grindcore in general, like good grindcore, old napalm death, these guys included, is that a lot of them have like, despite being fast and just like ripping fast, you get like certain sections where it's like really bouncy, even if yeah. it's for like five seconds and then it's on to the next thing. It's like, you, you, it's got that feeling. I guess you kind of touched upon that. Yeah. But yeah. I think for me, because of the grindcore format, and I know what it is, it's 50 second songs, 40 seconds songs, minute and a half songs. I feel like I would love to hear a little more, a little more meat to them, you know? Uh, I don't want an hour and 20 minute album. Uh, 20 minutes, 23 minutes is is good. But I think uh, initially what I liked about Grindcore overall is the heaviness and the, and the speed of it. You keep you saying Grindcore. Death, death metal, because it is. Okay, but it's, you're like boxing. So I, I just don't think of them as, as Grindcore. It's like you keep... Well, I'm not trying to talk about them specifically. I'm trying to talk about why what it is like I like about this and contrasting it with or comparing it to what I like about things that are a little more traditionally death metal. Yeah. Which is that there's some overlap there. Yeah. But if you were to take these songs and make them de- quote unquote death metal songs, these maybe three minutes or three and a half minutes, maybe a longer lead. They would run something for a little longer. You know what I mean? I do. And I know what you're saying. And I'm yeah, not saying I'm, it's I'm a gonna, bad I'm gonna thing. Go, I'm going to go the other direction. The songs are a little short for me, but no, I think it's perfect. I think it's perfect the way they just don't fuck around. And then they just, it's almost like the spot where there should be a lead most of the time or, or where there should be a little bridge and then repeat the first part. You know, it almost seems like that's where they just go, okay, fuck it. And then they end the song and it's awesome. That's it. And it's awesome. That's exactly <laughs> the, it. the song structure is exactly that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, and that kind of throws me off too. Like when I first heard it, it threw me off. It's like, oh, this song sounds kind of cool. And then boom, it's over. And I'm like, wait a minute. And then it was the next song, yeah. right? But I, that's what I grew to appreciate was how blazingly fast they play, how fast the album goes. And then next thing you know, it's like, it's over. And I'm like, oh, I want to hear that again. Because it's just, it's, it's like, what, what just happened? <laughs> I love this shit, dude. So this would be, if they Very played original. it live, oh, if they had man. to play it live, you'd have It'll... to play like three songs in a row, right? Because it would suck to mosh for 30 seconds and stop. No, I don't know. This, I don't know. This is moshable music. It's so fucking fast. But it's it's so well put together and everything. It's not just like it is noise and it's it is fast. It's like crazy, but this is structured really well. It's the way they play and everything is, and I love the vocals even, believe it or not. And uh, I was listening to the drummer and I'm just like shaking my head, like this has got to be tiring. There's no way he could do this for three minute songs, dude. He's got to take a break after every forty seconds or whatever or minute. Well, not everyone's like a Pete Sandoval. <laughs> that, guy's, that guy's insane. I think he's still probably the heaviest drummer I've ever heard. We saw him with the uh, Terrorizer. I think you didn't go to that show. No. And he still plays no. awesome. And he's the, highlight, he's the highlight of Terrorizer, right? But I don't know. They're, they're a guitar player. I don't know the guitar player's name, like their current guitar player, but he was ripping it up too. His tone was crushing. He was ripping good. Heavy as hell, but Pete Sandoval is a monster. What are you going to give this album? Well, I'm going to give him a six. You're going to give this a six? No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I like, like it a lot. I like it. I like, if you, it. Do you have an aneurysm or a brain tumor or something? What's going on here? No, I'm going to rate this an eight. Uh-huh. I like it. It's very good. But, but I would have, if it would have been to me, like easily an eight and a half. If, and this is just, I guess, just how it came off for me and what you liked about it. I'm not saying I didn't like about it. I just wanted, I felt like maybe because it's, it's good. I just wanted like that a little more, like, yeah, where that bridge should have been or repeating that part. I would just like to hear that because I wanted a little more. Okay. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, but ultimately. No, I see what you're saying. I see what yeah, you're saying. So, yeah, so totally. good. It's a good album for sure. Uh, we're talking about To Weep for Unconquered Worlds by Human Cole. Uh-huh. And uh, this would easily be a, a strong four. Oh, okay. Uh, on a five, like a five star scale or something like that. It's a, it's a good one. I'm giving it a nine. This album's fucking what? Bad. 
yeah, this album's badass, dude. I, I have to put it in context of when we review an album, how many times do I listen to it? How much do I enjoy it? Do I do I get that? Like, okay, I got to hear that again, feeling right. And this one and claustrophobia and, uh, and um, violence. And yeah, those three are the only ones that have given me that feeling where I had to listen to it over and over and over. And this is one of those three. So it's a nine. Wow. Yeah, this is good shit, dude. I love this. I know what you're saying about the too short thing, but that's that's almost what I like more about it is that they just cut off the fat and then they go to the next song. And it's like, okay, they're not repeating anything. It's kind of awesome. Boy, that's that's you know, teach their own. We both liked it. I would definitely someone likes heavy music, whether you call it grindcore or death metal or death grind or whatever you want to call it. If you like heavy music and I, I like their own, you know, their own description of themselves. Fast, you know fast they play fast forward thinking heavy music that's the it's perfect because i i can't i can't call this death metal i can't call this thrash metal i can't call this grindcore this is an extreme metal i don't know what the fuck this is but it's faster and shit and it's good i wonder what their band camp page calls it let me look it up real quick yeah i'm curious yeah they say extreme music they do that's extreme, what they say on their okay. band camp page well, I can accept that more than more it's than extreme grindcore. music. Yeah. Um, is extreme music supposed to be grindcore, like the same thing? I don't think so. Uh, grindcore is extreme music. Well, extreme music is grindcore. So I'm, I know well, it's in, I know kettle, it's in the same Kettle decapitation is not grind. Like current did kettle decapitation stuff's not grindcore, but that's extreme metal. Yeah, I wouldn't call that grindcore at all. Yeah. No, but it's extreme metal. It's like a heavier version of death metal. Yeah. Kind of. Since we're since we're pigeonholing everything here, okay. So what would you call Warbringer? I wouldn't call Warbringer's them thrash. Okay, okay. So yeah, I was gonna say I call thrash. them death metal. They're thrash. No, right. straight up thrash. Yeah, Overkill's thrash. Thrash. How about Sabat? That's thrash. That's thrash. Okay, I'll go a newer band, Torture Squad. That's thrash. Yeah, I guess that is thrash. That's like death. That's like deathy thrash. You know, yeah. thrash. Yeah. What about Obituary? Oh, that's just that's obituary. See? <laughs> it's, death, it's, it's death metal. They're death metal. You would call. I them call them. I call them death metal. Yeah. Um. That's the first uh, genocide pact. What would they be? That's death metal. That's da- death grind kind of as well. It's that like that. It's it's death metal. It's, it's death metal without death. Stupid lyrics. It's not all death lyrics. So it's different. It's a little different. Violence is definitely thrash. Yeah. Um. And force is definitely thrash. Psychosomatic. Yeah. Right. Definitely thrash. thrash. Yeah. Definitely. Korvac. Thrash, pure thrash. Necropanther. Oh, that's totally thrash. Uh, that's thrash. What would you call body count? <laughs> <laughs> well, body counts, body count. <laughs> There's another one. Yep. They're, they're, uh, how would I put them? I mean, they're heavy as hell, man. I mean, it's, I don't heavy know. Heavy ass yeah. metal. Extreme music. You put them in extreme music. Maybe extreme or like, I don't know. I don't know what else. Carnivore is pretty extreme. Carnivore? The album Carnivore. That's extreme for sure. That's a great, that's a great freaking album. Oh my God. We reviewed that right at the beginning, didn't we? Yeah, right off the uh, Yeah, episode four, I think. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Death Angel's definitely thrash, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. We talked about this. What, Big Eight or whatever? Big Eight? They're all thrash. Okay. What would you say is the best death metal band out there? Right now? Or, or, Or overall period, ever death metal i don't know because that runs such the gamut uh-huh you know what i mean is slayer, if I think death, like, is slayer death metal no slayer's thrash they're thrash yeah um i don't know i mean you know i really like uh pile of priests they're kind of thrash though but no they're death yeah, metal they're death metal yeah like melodic death metal uh, pretty melodic especially on that the self-titled sir thungle it's like classic rock dude <laughs> it's, 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 it's just hard that's just hard yeah rock. heavy metal heavy metal it's hard heavy rock. metal it's hard just, rock yeah. yeah yeah that's in the judas priest ozzy osborne category kind of thing yeah yeah totally what about be- what about beastie boys <laughs> it depends which album you're talking about <laughs> what about weird al yankovic uh, that's extreme metal as well extreme metal wow i'm not sure um well, let's it- see barbara streisand also extreme metal Okay. Um, uh, what's that apple chick? Um, 
No, uh, the one who played God in that one movie. Let's see. Uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. What about um, like Pink? What is she? <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard Pink. I don't think I have either, actually. So, yeah, I know you're a, a manly man, a man's man and all that stuff. Shit. Yeah, right. But, you know, sometimes people get scared. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking just something that startles you, like a car cutting in front of you last minute or an intersection or something like that. But what like really gets to you? What's what scares you? You mean like phobias? Yes, phobias. Oh, phobia. Um, not what scares me necessarily, but what I'm overall afraid of or makes me queasy or squirmy or uncomfortable or uh, probably my big one I think everybody has is fear of heights. Maybe I'm just a dummy. I don't have a fear of heights. Really? It seems like most humans would have that, but that's one of those things that gets me pretty, um, yeah, definitely uncomfortable, like vertigo. And like, even, even like, have you ever stood next to a skyscraper, like downtown and just looked straight up, like lean next to it and look straight up, up the plane into the sky. But just looking up for me, just looking up makes me go, whoa, it's too high. Well, you know what they used to call Sears Tower? I forget what it's called now, but I've been in that and they have the glass skywalk where you, they have this room that's built out over the side of it and you can look down and... Yeah, fuck that. Where it looks like you're just walking on air, that that thing? Yeah, it doesn't affect me. I don't yeah. have any any of that. What, what was trippy though was um, being up there and it was a particularly windy day and you could feel the thing shifting from side to side yeah, dramatically. And it was It was disconcerting. I didn't like it, dude. But I, I like the view. It was fun. But why? What's yours? Um, I don't really think I have one, honestly. I thought about it. Wait, Mister Like Paranoid of Germs probably uses a handkerchief to open doors, bathroom doors, and stuff, right? I use I use the paper towels. Wouldn't that be germs? Wouldn't your phobia be germs? I'm not phobic of it, but if I have a choice to not, maybe maybe we should. This next segment, we should talk about what a phobia is. Stay tuned. Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines the word phobia as an exaggerated, usually inexplicable and illogical fear of a particular object, class of objects, or situation. So I feel like this definition rules out general fear. Being afraid of rattlesnakes, for example, isn't necessarily a phobia. It's logical to be wary of something that that could hurt you, right? And risks bodily damage to you. And even if you almost got bitten or you stepped over a, sn- a rattlesnake and it scared the shit out of you and you had kind of what you'd call like PTSD, I don't think that would really de- be classified officially as a phobia. So when you ask me like, and, I, and we, you, you say, oh, germs or this and that, it's like, not really. I mean, if you gave the, the example of a paper towel on the door like it's not like i wouldn't open the door if i didn't have the paper i'm not i'm not like incapacitated with fear i just if i have the option to not dude, look you know any guy has been in a bar and seen oh, some guys come out of the you, thing you always like, mention that it's nasty yeah okay. so therefore there's nothing that's not illogical to do that so i don't feel like that follows in a ptsd thing you know and i can put myself in situations where i'm, I'm at a concert amongst all these people and i don't have an issue of germs per se so i don't think that qualifies as a phobia right or even ocd because you'd you'd have to be afraid of that too so yeah that's like more of an anxiety disorder right uh you know which i guess uh phobia is as well phobia is an anxiety disorder but um yeah so like i said i guess everybody or most people have a fear of height so that wouldn't be a phobia then okay yeah that makes sense so yeah Yeah, i mean yeah you're not gonna go play with a snake or something yeah right right now now for example if you were you couldn't go on a a merry-go-round or not a merry-go-round, a Ferris wheel, because you, you could not, you'd be screaming in, in, in sheer terror and panic. Well, that would, could be a phobia, but to go up and be like, well, it's pretty far down. I'm glad I'm strapped in this thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, out there on a string. Like that's not a phobia. Right. But being terrified as shit on an airplane, like to get on an airplane, that would be a phobia for sure. Right. It, it could be. Yeah. Fear of flying. Uh, again, again, I think, I don't know, like to me, if it debilitates you, right? I mean, there was a point growing up, it con- I had to make a conscious decision. I, re- I recall it. I used to, when we'd fly and if there was turbulence 
and you know if you would have this like you know your heart beats fast you might get like sweaty for a second you have this like response you know and at some point you know some people like my grandma when that happens like she won't fly because that's happened and she's like just sheer terror think like the guy in that one movie or the uh, twilight zone rather episode with the the monster on the wing of the plane like that response from him yeah you know and whereas if just for some, if that happens and someone be like oh my god whew, that was like kind of scary but like they still fly that's not really a phobia right so i, I you know in that case for that, in that example i did i like i said i made a I remember a conscious choice to decide well i'm in the plane i've chosen to go from point a to point b there's nothing i could do if something happened so you just does no use to respond in that way anymore because there's nothing you're going to do anyway. So, so now if that happens, I don't have that feeling. I just roll with it. So I think that's like a, having that response again, it's like, I think when we talk about phobias, it has to be a debilitating or illogical fear, you know? So, well, well those, those affected go to great lengths to avoid um, the situation or object. Yeah. Uh, to a degree greater than the actual danger that it actually poses so yeah so that would be sure that would be a phobia i mean yeah definitely so avoiding the planes and everything right yeah yeah for example so and there's a lot of ones like that makes sense right you could have uh you, you mentioned acrophobia fear of heights aquaphobia fear of water um, uh, arachnophobia you know spiders they're all common ones but that's not really so fun to talk about. I mean, people are fearful of different things, you know? So it's fun to talk about some interesting ones. I'm no psychologist or expert, but I think a lot of phobias can be traced back to a certain critical time of development, maybe in someone's life, just the right, whatever that right time is and right circumstance for that person during which a specific event happens to them, you know, it has an impact. I mean, you could see why they've been conditioned. Yeah, it is. It is definitely a bio, like a behavioral conditioning thing. Yeah, hundred percent behavioral conditioning one on one. Wow, you see why and some right? of it seems well. Yeah, and some of them you can, right? You could see a fear of water. Someone almost drowned. You know, they, they fell into the pool and they were a year old. They don't remember, but like, hell yeah, a fear of water now. I mean, that's you could see why that would be the case. You know, and these things make sense. It makes sense on an evolutionary level. It's yeah. It seems like part of the reason that we're still, you know, that we've progressed as a species. This yeah, far. yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like survival instinct, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it makes sense to be, on some degree, fearful of heights, but then, not always, right? Because it's that person who wasn't fearful that let them, let humans, for example, decide that they could eat mangoes because someone could climb up in a tree and get them. So mm-hmm. there's advantages as well to not having those levels of fear, maybe what you talked about that, that oh, proportional to whatever the risk is, right? Yeah. That response proportional to what the risk is. So it's like PTSD to the nth degree, essentially. Now there's agoraphobia and social phobia, but when social phobia, a person fears like uh, being in a situation with other humans, basically due to worries about being judged. Uh, so there is always that too. I would think that would be, kind of in the western world especially kind of pervasive i would think um well there's always a perceived like where they can't leave their home like a bob wiley right 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 uh, what about bob yeah basically what about bob (laughs) that's right that's so funny um now a lot of these phobias specific phobias especially uh they need to be treated with exposure therapy the person is introduced to the situation or object in question until the fear resolves. That just sounds like torture to me. Well, it makes sense though. Right. I mean, it's a, you don't, you don't put them, if someone's afraid of rattlesnakes, right. And they, to the point where they can't leave their home, I'm just throwing some out, something out there randomly. Right. Well, you throw that person into a big bucket of rattlesnakes. No, you, you, you might start, <laughs> you, you definitely wouldn't do that. You definitely wouldn't start them with like uh, the Viper scene in right, Indiana right. Jones. Right. <laughs> No, you're gonna you're gonna do something <laughs> gradually. They're gonna look at it in a book. It scares them. It makes them feel weird. They realize that they over time that nothing happens when they look at the book. Then you watch a, a YouTube video or something, and then you go to the zoo and they're in the, the cage and you stand back and you just walk. You know, it's this gradual. Yeah, be, I mean, like I said, behavioral conditioning 101, like right out of a psychology book. You know, it's the way mm-hmm. the same thing that works when training your dog to roll over or 
go get your slippers or whatever the hell it is, you know, it's uh, the same mechanism. Something I found interesting was that um, specific phobias or phobias in general affect about 8% of people in the Western world. So eight out of a hundred, but only two to 4% in Asia, Africa, and Latin America. I thought that was kind of interesting. Those are the big population centers too. So is that because people are more sheltered or because when that kid falls into the water at age one, he's in the jungle and he falls in and doesn't survive. So there's that 1% of people that don't. You're crammed into a huge population center too, where you're like shoulder to shoulder on the subways and things like that. There's so many people in the cities, right? You you have no choice but to get over that fucking phobia pretty quick because you're there. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I mean, if you're in there, you could be, like I said, there are people that do not leave their home though, you know, and they really do have trouble dealing with it, you know? Um, Social phobia affects about 7% of people in the U.S., but only 0.5 to 2.5% of people in the rest of the world. What does that tell you? (laughs) Yeah, that is an interesting one. Yeah, and women are uh, twice as likely to be affected by phobias than men are. No, we're that's not so surprising. Not really. No, if you think about it, just and, and this is you know, just my line of thinking. I don't know if it's right or not. I'm sure someone studied it, but it seemed like almost like a lot of it is that oh, you know, boys don't cry, or oh, you know, get over it, man. You know, quit bitching, right? And so there's just that expectation that you know, suck it up, in in that like Americanized culture. Yeah. So therefore, scared out of them. Oh, you're scared of the water? Don't worry, kid. Swim. Throw you in. You know? Isn't everyone afraid of the water? Initially, anyone? Oh, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think babies are afraid of the water. I don't think it's an innate thing. I mean, I think, I think, I think right. that they would that they would be quite comfortable, you know, in a pool and in a, in a way that they're, you know, doesn't they don't know any danger from it, right, from water. But I think, like, if you were to take them out to, like, you know, a one-year-old to like North shore in the winter time of um, Oahu and you have, you know, 20 foot waves and try to put them out there, they're going to be scared, right? Like you should be. Right. So I think, I don't think people are innately afraid of water, you know, and, and, and being innately fearful of snakes or other things, which is like a whole other thing, right? But I think people are. Of snakes and, and spiders and those things. Yeah. I, well, I think so too. And I think that's an interesting one. It's almost like a genetic memory or something. Something from the past is stolen the brain, right? Yeah. Weird, right? That's very weird. Now, the word phobia comes from the Greek phobos, which uh, that's what, isn't that what they named one of the moons of Mars? Phobos? Anyway. And it, it, it means aversion. And it's Greek for aversion. Phobos. Phobia. Trippy. So obviously this has gone back a long time. They've known about this. Yeah, there's there's some interesting ones too, and, and they're oftentimes coupled with other events or other situations. One that comes to mind is somnophobia, the fear of sleep. Oh, like insomnia, right? Um, no, insomnia is the inability to sleep. I know, but they both have psalm in it. Well, that's because that has to do with the root of sleep for sleep. I don't know if it's Greek or Latin, but correct psalm. It comes from the same root. Mm-hmm. From what I read, this is often combined with other sleep disorders, such as night terrors or sleep paralysis or sleepwalking. So you could see how something like that would form. You know, again, it's like this anxiety thing, which anxiety like feeds on itself, right? You're someone has a panic attack because they start feeling a certain way and then they're panicked that they're having a panic attack and it ramps up, ramps up, right? Uh-huh. So can you imagine being a, being scared to sleep? Being afraid to sleep, <laughs> you'd suck. have to you'd have to overcome that sooner or later, man. Because your body's Jeez. not going to do you. That would really suck. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I usually oh, welcome the sleep. Please, oh, me, I need me too. I've never even heard of actually someone being afraid of sleep. That's bizarre. Well, you never seen huh. Nightmare on Elm Street. What's that? Have you never oh, seen Nightmare on Elm Street? I guess so. That's so, real, right? I saw it what, on TV. Is that what that's all about? Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know. Some of them like that, you could see how it would develop though. Right. I mean, it seems like children, some children have it. They're scared of the dark. They're worried about falling, trying to lay down and go to sleep for whatever reason. Now, um, 
you said something about acrophobia, the fear of heights, right? Yeah. What is, let's see, the fear of flying, which was, let's see, that's aerophobia. That makes sense, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Now, the fear of pain is algophobia. Who doesn't have a fear of pain? Well, I guess some people don't, actually. Some people do not. Hmm. Have you ever, haven't you ever seen uh, the Jim Rose Circus Sideshow? No, no. They did, they did a tour with like, I think it was like David Bowie, uh, Nine Inch Nails, and I think it was like Marilyn Manson opened for them. So this must have been like, ni- like 94, something like that. And the opening show was the Jim Rose Circus Sideshow. And that's pretty gnarly, dude. And those people have aversion to pain. Oh, are you talking about like one of those freak, like traveling freak show kind of things? Yeah, yeah. And they were traveling with the David Bowie and, and Nine Inch Nails tour. Oh, and yeah, they like put nails through their faces and all kinds of weird shit. Yeah, they had Mr. Lifto. He lifts like that's right. Big weights from like his nipple, pierced nipples and ears uh, and dick uh, and tongue. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, crazy. Thanks. Yeah. Wow. What, what I thought was very interesting was turophobia, T U R O phobia. Do you know what that is? The fear of turds? I don't know. What is it? No, that's Ian phobia. I was kidding. Uh, That's a fear of cheese. What's it called? Turophobia. Why turo? Idea. Probably so. These. I'm sure these are all based off of some Latin or Greek root, right? I mean, you said phobia is Greek. Yeah, for phobos, meaning to avoid or yeah, aversion, aversion. You know what would really suck? A maxophobia, fear of riding in a car. Oh my gosh. I wonder if that includes driving a car though, or is it just being the rider? Probably driving is a different thing. Oh, right? So just you like figure I figure it would be because some people don't want to be a, be a passenger, right? They just want to So drive. I could always drive and I could claim a maxophobia. No, I have a maxophobia. I can't yeah, ride. Then a you're car. The I have to drive DD all the time. That's fine. I'd rather I was in control of your lives. <laughs> Anthrophobia. Anthrophobia is a fear of flowers, dude. Can you believe this? That's a strange one. Here's a really good one I found too. Okay. And it's very ironic. Hippopotamonstrosis quiptalophobia. The fear of being mauled to death by a hippopotamus? It is the fear of long words. Uh, No, is it really? (laughs) I read in more than one place. That is messed up, dude. Ironic, huh? That's messed up. Oh, can you oh, can you can you imagine living like on the East Coast or in the Midwest and having astrophobia, the fear of thunder and lightning? Oh, poor people. But again, again, right? A dog isn't phobic phobic because they want to come in because of the lightning, right? I mean, it's, it's not. Yeah, a phobia again talks about. I think the d- distinction is like a extreme fear to where it's debilitating, right? Like if you were driving your car in the middle of a huge thunder and lightning storm. And it's striking all around you. Like you would, again, you would be that rational to maybe figure you should get to cover somewhere and be on edge. Right. But to be then, or just if it's thunder and lightning, right. You don't to be aware of that, but like to where you cannot physically like handle it. That's a whole other level. You know, everyone knows the first thing you should do is climb up a flagpole when there's a lot of lightning. Yes. Yes. And then yes. stick your hand up with a, uh, Yep. Like a fork or something, your your yep. tire rod. Yeah, absolutely. you have to face your fears, man. You know what? I think <laughs> I think, think Scatterbrain podcast does not. <laughs> yeah, I think I do actually have one. I found one. I think I have ataxophobia. It's the fear of disorder or untidiness. Oh my god, that's just called put your stuff back where it goes, dude. It, you got it way. too. See, you have the same thing. I fucking hate it. I hate it, dude. It drives me nuts. I, I just that that just kills me the um the fear of gravity i can't believe that fear shit. of gravity i didn't what's that one what's that called barophobia can you how, what do you do about that if you have you have, what do you do about that if you have a fear of gravity like laying your bed just paralyzed in fear all the time people, have, those people have to feed you with tubes and spoons and stuff you can't move you can't move or, or when you when you do like step onto the ground you go oh god and you're walking around on your chippy toes because of your fear of gravity what how does fuck? that manifest? How, does how, that manifest? how is that even possible? You have no choice but to just kill yourself if that's an actual phobia and you're just 
always in distress because of fear. It's like a fear of air. Really, I was, gonna say, I was just going to say like aerophobia, the fear of air or something. <laughs> that's ridiculous, man. Okay, we'll put you in this vacuum sealed. Oh, my God. That's just I can't believe that actually exists. That just kills me. And here's one that sort of makes sense. And it's um, not one people haven't heard before, but necrophobia, fear of dead or dead things like fear of death or dead things. I mean, that's that's a logical one, right? You don't want to die. You want to avoid things. Obviously, it makes evolutionary sense to be wary and not, you know, to be revolted by dead, rotting things. I mean, that makes sense, you know? Right. But, you know, some of these just, ah, they're just weird. Like gravity. That's a weird one. Catoprophobia. Catoprophobia is the fear of mirrors. Oh, man. You look in a lake, a frozen lake, or, you know, a glass pane on the sidewalk you're walking downtown or something you look over and mirrors are everywhere that's got to suck or must be really ugly (laughs) chromophobia the fear of colors what why would you be afraid of colors dude i don't get this well here's one i think many people have at least in the modern westernized kind of world nomophobia the fear of phones or nomophobia, like probably no mobile <laughs> as a fear of being f- without a phone. Oh, I have that. I have it now. It's like a codependence thing, man. It's oh, like it an addiction. is. If you ever walk like 20 feet past your house and you realize you don't have your phone, it's like you just bolt right back in the house and grab it, dude. Got to get it. Yeah. Yep. Well, everything's tied up in there, man. You know, you got all your information. I got, you know, directions where I got to go. My calendar's in there. I think most people now in the Western world have that phobia that it's just not even really like, Oh no, it's a no brainer. It's I I don't know if it's a phobia. I mean, if I'm going to the grocery store and I know I'm just coming back right back and it's like, Oh, I forgot my phone. Damn it. I guess I'm stuck listening to the radio or (laughs) with silence the whole way home. It's probably the whole way there and back is probably what it really is. Right. But it's not like I'm debilitated and I can't function, but I, it, it is an inconvenient thing. I mean, I have my driver's license in my, there, like in my little like case, I've got a credit card there. Um, I've got the ability to pay and transact and do stuff for work. Like I need it. It's a tool, you know, mm-hmm. but it's not debilitating. It's just really right. inconvenient. Yeah. I agree. But I think there's that, that distinction, you know, but you'd have to be walking around like actively fearing you might leave your phone somewhere. Right. Right. Yeah. Or like that's much, Oh my gosh, you know, like you're without a reason, right. If you're like going to the, going to the airport and you need your boarding passes and they're on your phone, I get it. But if you're like, like literally you're going to go to, uh, you're walking up to the park to have a picnic and right. you're like pan, you're panicking and you like you, even though you're nine, 99% of the way there, you got to run back because you can't handle it because this phone's not there. I mean, again, it's debilitating, right? Mm-hmm. I think one that I, I would think one that a lot of people have is pretty common is, a. Uh, um, colrophobia, the fear of clowns. See, I don't get that one. I, I've, I mean, I could see why someone would have that. Again, I go back to like what I said earlier about some event in a critical developmental time that was perfect for that person. I think it's like the same way with like yeah. why certain people develop like a, a fetish, a foot fetish or whatever. Like there's some developmental point in mm-hmm. their life that something happens, whatever that is, that leaves an impact to them. And it's not going to be the same person, same thing for everyone, right? But Whatever it is, right? Just they were, I mean, who knows? They were at a circus with their parents and they were, you know, eight months old or a year old and imprinted. Really scary. Yeah, just exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Here's one you have allurophobia. What's that? Fear of cats. I don't have a fear of cats. I just have an allergy to them. Uh, I've seen you, I've seen you sweat when you're around my cat. <laughs> that's not true what are you talking about you're always like, used to climb you're always like, you're lap, si- like i know i know totally you were side you were side-eyeing my cat dude <laughs> oh my god let's see what's another one her petop- fear of reptiles i have that i was too. gonna guess something with uh herpes no i was gonna guess something with like uh what's it called liver or something i was guess gonna guess but mejira Mejirocophobia. 
the fear of cooking oh that would suck that's just <laughs> you know what you're just fucking lazy you yeah. just want everyone to cook for you oh i got that's a fear. It. i have a fear of cooking it's an actual my doctor gave me a note my doctor gave me a note it's like medical marijuana in california in 1986 right <laughs> <laughs> obesophobia fear of gaining weight i think a lot of people have that obesophobia no, i don't have that uh, i don't know about i don't know about a, a fear like that like a, a debilitating fear they're yeah. nick nictophobia what's that fear of the dark you'd think it would be something different but it's or nyctophobia nictophobia Noctof- noctophobia no it's N-Y- nyc nycto oh interesting like nictophobia strange i thought it would have been something else probably a lot of people have trypanophobia fear of needles or injections oh sure i have pedophobia the fear of children i definitely <laughs> i definitely have pedophobia <laughs> get them away from me teradophobia the fear of ferns <laughs> okay that's a dumb one come on wouldn't that be in the flower category it's the dumbest shit ever i guess Here, here's one you don't have to worry here's one you don't have to worry about telephobia the fear of imperfection oh I, I i have that you're perfect though you don't have to fear anything well that's why because i'm always afraid of failing <laughs> <laughs> well oh um uh, uh scoptophobia like a scope scoptophobia or scoptophobia the fear of being stared at that's like a evolution gone awry as well kind of when you yeah. look at like larger primates gorillas for example and even the people that work with them on a daily basis they'll do things like where they'll have a mask on their back of their head that's like a face with the eyes looking up off to the side or when they walk by them you can kind of like look at what they're doing, but if you see them, they'll, they'll like kind of like look away from them, you know, and not look directly at them because of the whole mm. dominance kind of thing. And I think all you have to do is go downtown San Diego or anywhere where there's a lot of drunk people and you see that all the time. What you looking at, man? Right. All that kind of thing. So people fear to being looked at probably kind of works in the same brain areas, if nothing else. Yep. Dentophobia. That's another one that a lot of people probably have. Fear of dentists. What is it? Fear, dentophobia. Fear of dentists. I mean, that's to the point where they won't take action, right? They won't get. Mm. That was me for a couple of years, but it's because I grew up in a dentist chair. It's like, I never want to go back, but you got to do what you got to do. So I guess I don't, I, I hate it, but I don't know if I have an actual phobia. You know what I think is the most common one? And I, and maybe we should end it here. Cause uh, this is, this is the one that is pervasive in our country, especially and actually in most countries. And it can poison things. Xenophobia, the fear of foreigners. That's a bad one. Yeah, fear of, of strangers or foreigners. Yeah. Yeah. That's also, though, inherent for people, at least. But you see it, too, with, with dogs and different things and other species, right? They're always territorial for territory. Yeah. Yeah. Territorial, right. Totally. That's kind of a natural thing, I think. Yep. Well, you want to end it here? Yeah. As long as I think I think the. The big thing, the big takeaway from this one is people are complex and everyone has a different experience and interpretation of the same type of, of external stimuli, if you will. And ultimately, you just can't let yourself be paralyzed with whatever that is, right? Not a suck it up, not buck up your pansy, but just <laughs> sometimes. Uh, don't, don't, don't climb that pole when it's lightning out. Yeah, exactly. Face your fears a different way, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, suck it up, you pansies. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone.